So this week has been a good week, an awesome week. I got a lot done. Not a lot, lot, but more. When I say a lot, I mean much more than normal. And who you are hearing in the background is Pikachu, our cockatiel. I'm in my room, and Noah's about to have her continue her feed, so I don't want to leave the room. So here we are, and the air conditioner's on, so I'm sure all of that's sounding out. But I wanted to take the time to do a recording while I had a moment because it is siesta time. I'm now going to call it Silla time, pause time because the kids don't take a nap. If they want to, they can, but they don't have to. But it is quiet and still time, so that is perfect for calling it Silla time. Everybody takes a pause and Pikachu is in the conversation. <laughs> But um, I decided one day to just talk out what my angst was and just be very honest with God about how I felt and different things that I had been feeling and thinking but not voiced. And so I did that. And after I did that, because sometimes don't do you feel like you're in a place where you're just like standing still you want to move forward you you know you think about behind but you know that that's not an option that you're going to choose but you find it hard to progress from out of that place into the next or start walking forward into the next and I had found myself in that place for some months um, in other ways I can say for probably a couple years two or three years um, because it seemed like whenever I would start to move forward there would be a setback um, that would just emotionally put me in a place where it's like have you ever been excited to do something and you're like you're getting all like maybe exercising because I can't think of a better illustration exercising because who really likes to exercise I know there are people that do but I think there are more people that don't <laughs> so you get yourself hyped up you're like okay I'm gonna exercise and then you're going to the gym and then there's traffic and so now you're late to exercise and all that hype that you had just started to drain you're feeling so comfortable in your chair as you're trying to get through traffic and by the time you get there you're like ah. I don't really feel like doing this anymore. You may turn around in the parking lot to go back home or whatever. <laughs> like that. So it's like, okay, you get there and, or you get there and you're like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to still hype myself back up and you get in there and all of the equipment that you intend to use, somebody's on. So now you have to wait for it or use another equipment that you're not really needing to use. And so you're like, ugh. And then you go sit down, wait in, and then you get comfortable, and then you're like, yeah, I don't feel like doing that anymore, and then you leave. <laughs> That's how I have felt. Like, okay, we're going to do this, and then something, and then, you know, well, one of the things that has been really major to me is getting back to the place that I was at the beginning of parenthood. Excited to do things with the kids, and you know, create traditions and memories and just everyday life. I always intended to homeschool because given that gift of time to my children and shaping their 
childhood a certain way was very much important to me from a child and so it was something that I was intent on being intentional about and that's how I started things out and then we know through all the trials and tribulations of the adopting from foster care process just hit after hit and at the beginning it wasn't a big thing because you know hits come and you brush it off and I'm not the type of person that gets discouraged easily if at all <laughs> and so but just continual hits and then when it turned into a year and then when it turned into two years and then you know I'm going to God about about it and you know praying about it and you know thanking him for a resolution or uh, uh, being able to move forward and leave that behind and you know time and time again disappointed hurt angry about it not happening him not doing it on on the and it wasn't like I, well yeah actually that's not true I was gonna say it wasn't like I was trying like I was asking him to do it immediately like right away yeah that was that's not true I was but then I'm like okay but when it turns into okay I have to you know you know you have to wait for something okay cool but when it turns into a year two years three years you're like it's like I got to the point where I was just so like discouraged and numb and I talked to him about it because I'm like I, I still feel like that way you know a lot of times now because I feel like you know like numb like you're going through the motions but you haven't fully yet washed off the residue of that that time of that whatever it is it, it could be anything um, it could be a, a rotten childhood that you have and you had to numb yourself because nobody understood you and you know your parents didn't understand you there was nobody that understood you pretty much on your own and then you go into adulthood and you continue to feel the same way and you just feel you, you create not create the narrative forms because it has shown to be true so far that nobody is there for you you're in things by yourself you have to do it on your own and you can't expect anybody to be you know to 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 walk the, the road with you because nobody gets it nobody understands and so you walk through life like that so that part of you that had that expectation that had that hope that had that faith that had that excitement begins to die because it has gotten dashed and disappointed so many times and to continue to live life in that space is ridiculous because then you'll continually be hurt and disappointed so you continue to shut that part of you up and so that part of you becomes probably depressed <laughs> and when I say depressed I mean becomes sullen becomes quiet the life starts to go out of that part of you and so that part of you is an integral part of who you are and so because you're shutting off that part of you like for instance if you have like somebody that has a stroke and then one side of their body isn't working that means the blood vessels or whatever the the blood flow to that part of their body has been interrupted and blocked for a period of time and so that part of their body has started to shut down has started to die and then once the blood started flowing back in there the damage was done so in order to get back to that place it takes much more harder you have to relearn things how to use that part of your body again how to do things that you could have done so simply before again because the blood flow has started has come back but that part of you has been atrophied 
And so the atrophy of that part of you is affecting the rest of you because you can't fully function with just one half of your body. So that's what it's like. You can't fully function with one part of yourself where the other part has been atrophied. And so you have to focus on letting, you know, letting that blood flow be a lifeline because the blood could be flowing but not giving life. So in order for that life that's being given by that blood flowing again, you have to do work for it to be advantageous, for it to, to, to be a point of, of growth, a point of possibilities again, a point of joy again, a point of freedom again, a point of happiness and, and being able to move forward and function not just the way you were before, but even beyond that. And so I found myself really stuck in that place for, as I said, ultimately at least three years because I, it started in 2019. I remember when it started in 2019. It was at the end. I mean, I had all four adoptions completed in 2019, but that was starting from 2016 and going through so much crap, so much crap, you know, so much lies being told so much you know feeling realizing that people that say that they're on your side are not and you don't know who to trust so you feel like you're and you're actually walking it alone and yes at certain points there were people that gave you favor which thank you lord but there were more people that didn't and you just felt like you were in the middle of a minefield and you and there are people around that could help you but you don't know if they would or if they're just saying like the others i mean even when I, ha I mean, I'm not ready to speak about the hospital experience with my youngest, but just yet, but when that's how I felt again in her situation, because it was like, okay, there are all these doctors, they're trying to tell me this, they're trying to tell me that nobody is listening to me. And so it's like, you're saying things and they're like, they act as if they're listening to you, but they're not. And they're just overriding it with whatever their thoughts and feelings are about your child. And I'm like, this is not right what the heck and so there was a point where I decided enough is enough and we're done with this I asked for them to um, dismiss her uh, discharge her because what we had needed to achieve was done and they pretty much through their actions were refusing to do so and so I removed her from that facility against their advice and I took her to another facility but just before that happened a nurse she got moved to another floor and then a nurse and I said you know because the doctors as I said were pushing their own agenda even though I told them there were certain things I did not want done they were pushing their agenda regardless of what I said multiple times and um, it's it's like some, you're telling somebody, hey, no, I, I don't want to date you, and they could keep following you and keep tagging you on Facebook and stuff. It's like, look, I don't want anything to do with you. That's how it was. And Or they send in people to talk to you about them or whatever. That's how it was. It's like I said, I don't want this service or that service. I already have that situated. We're only here for this. And then they're sending people to give me information on the services or to sign me up for something that I told them that I didn't want. Or they put it in motion signed her up for stuff and and I'm like I told you all that we're not doing that and so the just before I discharged her um there was a nurse and I said to the nurse you look because she called me about some type of um um 
what do you call it, some type of uh, testing that they were going to do, for lack of a better word, screening. Not screening, there's another word, but screening is the closest word that would describe what I'm trying to think of. Assessment, thank you, Holy Spirit. Assessment that they were going to do of her for a certain service that I had told them that we were not going to do there because I did not like this hospital. I have had not good experiences with them before and regarding her and we just happened to be there because you know we need to go to the emergency room and uh, they you know they were they had just built one pediatric um, and I didn't think that she was going to be admitted so that's why I like let's just go there because it's pediatric it's not a general um, ER it's a pediatric ER so you know they would be more able to quickly you know um, assess her and get to that versus a hospital that's doing adults and children all at the same time um, and so that's why I went there but if I had known she was going to be admitted I would not have taken her there and so that if I knew she needed to be admitted I wasn't going to I would not have taken her there so my thing was okay let's get this situation under control and as soon as we have that situated then we're gonna we're gonna leave and then progress to the providers that we are comfortable with and so um, they kept pushing their own agenda. And one of the last straws were, was when I, ex you know, once again, because they kept coming at me different ways, asking me questions in different ways. Like they're trying to get me, you know, to, to say something or try to put words in my mouth. And I'm like, nope, that's not what I said. And I kept reiterating to them, we are going to proceed with providers of my choosing you all are not going to be the ones that are going to be providing these services for her and they apparently think that they're God and they can just override anybody just because they have all these letters behind their name and I'm like the heck you won't not with my child you won't and so um so that was just a horrible experience <laughs> but I was like as I said she got moved to another floor and then I said then the nurse called me saying that this lady you know was there to do the assessment and they wanted to know when I was you know coming back and I said no she and then I said what is the assessment for because I told her I would be back I could actually I could turn around now and come back but what is the assessment about and she told me and I'm like I told them I told you all already that I do not want that assessment done I told you all several times that we are going to have that done with providers of our choosing so I don't know why I continuously say the same thing and nobody's listening to what I'm saying. And then she was like, um, well, that ends here. And so she, and I'm like, do I need to, did you, do you need to put her on the phone so I can let her know this? And she's like, no, she heard you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so um, she's like, well, you know, that ends here. You know, I'm going to make sure that, you know, the doctors and everybody understands what it is that you want. I'm like, okay. So I felt like I had an ally on my side. But then when I went there that evening, I realized that I did not so she was pretty much doing lip service because she ended up doing the same thing I told them how her feeds normally go and this is how how you should do it and if you do it like this you know she might throw up and we're trying to prevent that so and then they weren't tell she wasn't telling me what she was doing the amount that she was feeding her at one time or anything like that so once again dismissing me as the parent and just doing whatever it is that they want with my child and I said absolutely not the last straw was when she told me she was going to because I'm like I would like to speak to the doctor and 
I was they like the doctor's coming you're next and then I'm sitting there waiting an hour goes by and I'm like hello is the doctor coming because I've been standing here for an hour waiting and you said I was next and I'm still waiting and so she said she was going to go get the doctor and she would be back I'm sitting waiting for her for a half an hour she hasn't come back I'm like this is absolutely not so at this point it had been a total of two hours so I walked to the nurse's desk and I told him I'm leaving and can you please have the nurse give me a call because she said that she was going to get the doctor and I've been standing here for half an hour there for a total of two hours that the doctor was supposed to be coming to see me and I haven't seen anybody but I knew what they were doing at that point because they got clearly where I was coming from and they didn't want to deal with me and so they figured that they were just going to not deal with me and just continue to do whatever they want and I said the heck you will so I got home I told them they can call me at any time it doesn't matter what time when she called when I called her because I knew when she was going to be off her shift and I called her a half an hour prior to that and said I was waiting for you to bring the doctor and when I left I told them to please have the doctor call me I haven't heard anything yet so she said, well, what time would, you know, is there any limited time? And I said, no, he can call me whatever time. And so the morning, it was like hmm, maybe two o'clock in the morning. And this had started around seven. And so I, nobody still called. So I'm like, okay, what can I do? What are my rights as her parent? So I started Googling it. So I decided to write up uh, against medical advice letter and at first I was going to wait until the morning so I could contact my lawyer about it and then I decided no because I could see where this was going um, they did not like what I was doing and I figured that they were going to try to stop me or put something in place to make it seem like I was not like I was doing something that was endangering which I was not I was just not doing what they wanted me to do and so I was like this was a Sunday this was a Sunday and I'm like, okay, I have got to get there before the business hour starts. Discharge her and go from there. And so four o'clock in the morning, I was tired at that time because I was like a little loopy because I was tired. I've been back and forth, back and forth, back and forth from the hospital multiple times to feed her and everything like that and make sure they weren't doing no nonsense with my child um, that I wasn't aware because I didn't trust any of them there. And so I was between home and there, home and there, home and there, you know, three, four times a day. And so um, I went, so I took a little nap and then I got up. I had the letter that I had printed out, printed out two copies. And I went there and they had told me she had thrown up. That was, you know, if, if, if it was like kindling, that was the incinerator or the what do you call it the the lightning fluid on the things because I'm like I told y'all this would happen I gave y'all a, a schedule to put her on and y'all didn't do it and this is what happened I told y'all this was going to happen y'all are not listening and I'm like here's and against medical advice that I'm discharging her now please unhook her from everything that you have her hooked up to so now all of a sudden the doctor appears and wants to talk to me I'm like I have been trying I've been here from earlier and you didn't show up they said you were coming you didn't come and you and now you want to talk to me it's too late I don't want to hear anything that you have to say now because this is a problem that I have I've had continuously with your facility and we're done we are leaving and so um so when I say that that's how I felt 
during the adoption process because during the adoption process, I didn't have the right to say that. I felt that so many times, but I didn't have the right to say because until those papers, until those, you could even have an adoption date, until those papers, those adoption papers are signed, I do not rest or relax because anything can happen and you have no rights until those papers are signed by that judge and so you can't say what you want to say you can't do what you want to do I couldn't have done this if those papers weren't signed because they would have had to ask the county the county could have, would have probably sided with them likely sided with them and then you have no rights you have no voice and that's how I felt that entire time and so that part of me because I if you know anything about me I very much let my voice be heard okay <laughs> and so not being able to do that and having to shut my voice say things that nobody's listening that kind of atrophied a part of me because you feel like why am I even saying anything y'all are not listening y'all are not doing anything nothing's changing I felt like I, I know why Elisha did that when he went to the cave and he wanted to to kill himself because it's like I'm here I'm you know doing all you know these these wonders that they should be listened to and they're not changing their ways what's the point and then he ran away into the cave so people may say like you know after he did that whole thing you know with the fire and everything like that and then one little sentence from the lady I forget her Jezebel was it no not Jezebel was it Jezebel I think it was Jezebel yeah said that she was sent to kill him and you think that he'd be like whatever but he ran why did he run from that one thing after he had just performed uh, uh, something with God that was beyond anybody like nobody could dispute it like he has glorified God in such a big way right there God backed him up he was even taunting you know the the the, the other um, prophets or whatever the fake prophets and stuff like that with their fake God showed up in this and God showed up in such a big way for him and that one sentence sent him running I understand it very fully very fully I understand that so much because when you have been doing something and saying talking saying 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 trying to show people wait what's going on here don't you see that this isn't right don't you see there's something wrong here and it's like nobody's listening people said not that nobody's seen it because people are seeing it people are seeing it but nobody and everybody chooses to just accept it and you're the one person who's standing there and saying I cannot accept this this isn't right and so you say it so many times so many times every moment that you have the opportunity not that you're shoving in people's faces but if somebody asks you or if they give you a, a platform you know not platform but like a like give you space to say something you say it but yet people hear it but they don't do anything it's like that's just the way it is and it is what it is and you're like that that that's not that doesn't make it right that doesn't make it right and if we all say that then nothing changes because it's not that this is something just so simple this is hurting other people this is hurting people this is not right not just people but children don't you see how damaging this is and they see it but nobody you know it's like eh what are we gonna do that's just the way it is and I that type of person I'm like no 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 absolutely not there is something that can be done about it it may take more it may put you at risk but there is something that can be done about it but nobody wants to be put at risk 
and I and I, I can't say that I don't understand that because when I pulled her from that one hospital I knew very surely that they would likely call CYS on me not because there was a valid reason for them to but because they know all of the little hot button words to use to get CYS to come out and just because they didn't like what I did just because I wasn't listening to what they were saying that I should do and they figured in their head that they were the ones that I should be listening to because they are the professionals they are the ones with the degrees and why am I not listening and following what they're saying without question they met the wrong one that day <laughs> not that day that week they met the wrong one and so that's what they did in retaliation and I am not surprised that they did and so then I had to you know deal with that it didn't come out to anything but still the fact that they did it you know it it really pissed me off because it's like wow just because you didn't like you use your power to do something and put something in motion that there was no need to just because you didn't like what I did which was not listen to you and so um, so I guess I did just go through the story <laughs> but I learned different things there because I didn't say okay God is going to take care of all this and for a moment I said you know what Lord this is just so much of a fight I have had to fight so much for this child and I, I don't know what the heck it's like what the heck man <laughs> you know and it's like maybe I should just let them do it's like what do they want to do put her in a facility is that what they want to do and it's like you know maybe I should just let them do what they want to do this I, I, I mean this is this is too much man this is too much it's like you are doing what you need to do and everybody's against you or against your method of doing things even though your method has has proven results it's, it's not the norm of doing way of doing things it's it's not the suggested way of doing things but their suggested way of doing things doesn't is just a mechanical way of doing it and doesn't yield results either and I choose to do things differently and just because of that it's like you have a, a had a bullseye I had a bullseye on my head and so that angered me that they did that they will never see any of my children again and I really if I could have done something like and I told my lawyer I wanted to file a complaint against them and because what they did wasn't right um, and I decided you know what I'm gonna move on because I don't want to get into all that you know back and forth and what is it going to do but what they I hope that they got from that whole thing is don't be messing with nobody's kids you are not the be-all you are not the end-all you are not God and if a parent is telling you something especially regarding regarding a special needs child you need to listen to that parent you don't override that parent and just do whatever you want to with their child that is not the way you do things and so if anything I hope that God opened up a door for that experience that they had with me that it was brought to somebody's attention even to the doctors to the nurses and that it changed something for someone in how they deal with special needs children and their families moving forward 
So, and I may, you know, look up to see how I can do a complaint with that um, because I feel like they need to keep that into consideration. Just because you're a doctor, just because you have the degrees, you don't have a degree in my child. I'm the one that knows my, there ain't nobody, nobody other than God that knows this child as well as I do. No one. So, you should listen to that parent. And as I said, when it comes to special needs children, that is that is the deal. That parent knows that child more than anybody else. Especially because the child is not verbal. They cannot communicate the way that a typical child does. So, the only one that knows that child is their parent or if they have a caregiver, a consistent caregiver, that caregiver. And my child's caregiver is me. So if that parent is saying something to you, you need to listen. And so I am going to look into that actually because I know there are, are times where people, something happens and then people create something and it goes into, you know, in the books or whatever and it changes things. So I'm going to look into that actually. I'm going to look into that because I know this is a consistent problem, not just nationally, but around the world. I know that this is a consistent problem and that the medical field really needs to do better about that. It really does. Um, so... I that really brought me back to that place where I felt like I did in that whole process except for this time it was different because I did have power because this is my child this ain't the county's responsibility ain't nobody's responsibility but mine the papers have been signed and I can do what I need to do freely so there was a difference in this place but it did take me back to that place of how I felt in that season not being listened to people just doing whatever and seeing my children suffer because of it and not being able to to say anything or do anything and having to actually be implicit in it happening so it was definitely a better place to be in knowing that this happened after the adoption and it was so interesting because I'm like the, we had just finalized the adoption two months ago I mean this was in June yeah April May June yeah two months <laughs> then this happened and so um but I have been like stuck in that place where moving forward and and I'm the type of person that when things are stressful whatever I go inward like I kind of I call it um cocooning myself so that I can deal with the stressors that are happening that's happening like for instance she went back on the feeding tube and so having to get her on and then she's not able to take as much as she did before in one feeding so figuring out okay how do we do this um not how do we do it but what schedule do we do it in like okay she's not taking as much as she normally would per feeding so how do I you know separate those feedings so that it works for her and she doesn't throw up and she's gaining weight and getting her nutrition and her hydration and we do not have to do any feedings past a certain time so she can get rest and I can get rest so the whole household can get rest and so finally got to that point um, I don't normally like to use medication as it's needed but had to use uh, you know the antacid helps with, with her, for her it has been very helpful with that for her and so, um, and then not only that, but with the feeds that she gets, 
now before I was you know getting it on my own but now it's like okay it seems like this is gonna be a continual thing as far as her main nutrition so we need to get insurance to cover this and so I finally called her insurance um, to find out how we can get it covered there's one place around us that actually we can get it from we just need a script and some different things and so we're gonna be meeting with the GI so that I can get the script for that and get that process roll in so that it can be covered by insurance for her and um, and you know move forward and even in that place was because I'm like I'm like okay she's eating by mouth she's been eating by mouth for a year with no issues and you know well not no issues but like you know no issues that were like harmful <laughs> and so it's like to be in this place again where now we're going to be putting back in the g-tube um, because we are never going to be in a situation again where, you know, she doesn't feel well and then she doesn't want to eat and then she gets dehydrated and then we have to be admitted to the hospital, you know, because it's enough to even get, you know, nutrition into her and she's getting older now. So if she don't feel like doing something, you know, she don't want to do it. <laughs> Not like she wasn't like that before, but as she gets older, that will is only going to get stronger. And so, um, it's like, at least we'll have that so that I can get that nutrition in her if she wants to eat or doesn't want to eat that's fine we'll do that first and then whatever she wants to do or doesn't want to do there's a way for me to get it in there regardless and so that's what we're doing and so even coming to terms with that because my vision of progression for her was much different and so feeling like we're back to square one it's you know was very disappointing very disappointing but then I realized the freedom of it not having to fight to count all her calories and make sure she gets the minimum amount of calories at least get that minimum in so that she can grow because we I had been you know struggling to as she starts to, as she started to get older and need more calories but not wanting to eat anymore it had been such a struggle to get those calories in so now I don't even have to worry about that she could be on a feed and it's not the whole day is you know like oh I need to feed her oh I need to do this oh she hasn't drank her whole her whole cup oh we need to you know and it's not about all of that so it's, it's much much less stressful for me and I had to decide sometimes you have to go about something a different way or say you know what we're going to abandon this for right now and we're going to more focus on this and my focus for her is really mobility getting her to make more um focus on working on making more intentional movements and um doing that and focusing on on her being more ambulatory versus not and so that's what I want to focus on. And then if she gets to a certain place with that, then we can go back and approach the feeding. Not that I won't feed her. I'll still feed her. Um, you know, but as I said, it's not like, oh, I'm feeding her for calories. I'm feeding her for experience, you know, so that she can experience different tastes and stuff like that and use her mouth and know what her mouth, part of what her mouth is for and everything like that. So um, not for calories and nutrition upkeep <laughs> so to have that taken care of through the feeding tube actually is a relief and so um 
because when we started and I wanted her off the feeding tube it's like I want her to do the things that she can do there's a lot that she can't do and I want her to be able to do the things that she can do but it started to become a, a point where she couldn't do it fully and so it was a stressful thing having to constantly like offer her the cup offer her the cup try to get her to drink you know the amount that she should be drinking minimally each day and stuff so now it's as I said less stress because I can still offer her the different foods she doesn't have a problem with solids so I can still offer her these different and she can have the taste of these different things but the stress of okay how many calories is that let me count these calories I mean she needs to have this much calories in order to continue to gain and then you know I don't have to do any of that because her nutrition is already being taken care of through the feeding tube so um, wrapping my mind back around that was you know in itself like something that I needed to sit with and, and process um, and not see it like a failure not a failure for me but like you know that she couldn't do it but you know be okay with you know what because now she's you know getting to the point where I wanted her to get to for like almost a year <laughs> you know so it, it, it's working and I'm being grateful for that I'm being grateful for that but I did see a different progress for her a year ago and so seeing that that hasn't gone the way that I would have liked and um yet and will it I don't know but and that's for me for her I want her to be able to experience more to be able to do more and and um like I don't expect perfection I just want her to be able to have more control over herself and over her life moving forward you know I want her to have that and so that's where I've been coming from not for me but for her and so you know that that's so dealing with all of that is where I have been for the past month almost month and a half wait June to July oh almost a month and a half almost two months and so because that kind of set me back internally because I was like okay I was making progress my son I was like okay we got to do this I finally got the door up under this you know, next storage area I was um, decluttering giving away things that we don't need and going through the different you know I was making progress and moving forward walking forward again and then that happened and it just set me back you know, I was drinking my water. I was doing my exercise. Was I doing my exercise? I was drinking my water. I wasn't really doing exercise yet. I was drinking my water, though, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. And it just really set me back. And so when I let all of that out to God and how I felt and how I felt from before and, you know, and different things like that and being very honest, you know, things, you know, things you want to say, but you don't like you think and feel, but you don't want to say it out loud. Um but I said it out loud and once I did that it kind of released a little something in me to be able to start walking forward and not being stuck like to like you know these shackles that you feel around your ankles are have actually been broken and 
you are still like somebody who loses a lot of weight and they look in the mirror and everybody's seeing them beautiful and look you look so slim now and look at your figure and everything and you look great and they look in in the mirror and seeing the person that they was before even though that's not the person that's actually in the mirror so it's like you have the shackles off your feet shackles off my feet so I can dance <laughs> you got the shackles off your feet oh my gosh I know so I got the shackles off my feet yeah yeah <laughs> anyway so you got the shackles off your feet and you're standing there the shackles are on the ground but you're still feeling them around your ankles because you're looking at things through the lens of before and that is keeping you back from your after and that's what this, the state that I have been in. And so when I let all of that out and process, not just processed it internally, because it's not I was dealing processing it internally, but once I let it out of my mouth and really released it from internal, externally, it it did release something in me. Not release something like, oh yeah, hoo hoo, yeah, let me no. It released something in me like, okay, Akra, get up, start walking get up I had already gotten up is well no I hadn't I was sitting now but you know and it's like okay I stand up stand up now stand up now stand up now take a step forward now okay take another step forward now and so that's what got me moving you know towards things whether I felt free <laughs> or not whether I felt clean from the soot of before or not. Or I still felt the, the residue of the soot on me even though just like that person looking in the mirror and still seeing a fat image of themselves but that fat is no longer there. <laughs> but they still feel it because it's been a part of them for so long. They've had to deal with it for so long so they still feel it. Even though it's not there. The illusion of it. And I think that's how the enemy has its hold held a lot of times. The illusion of things. Like a lot of people have done things that they're ashamed of having done. And, you know, when they accept Jesus as their Savior, their Lord and Savior, now all of that is forgiven, washed away by the blood of Jesus. God wipes that away, remembers it no more, but they still remember it. And so the residue of all of that, especially if your past life was not a glorifying one at all, in any way, shape or form, <laughs> then you feel, you still feel the, the residue of that. If you are, have become a new person inside, to a point, your spirit has, but your soul, which is your mind, heart and emotions, still carries the residue of all of that the decisions that you have made or the situations that you have been in decisions others have made for you that affected you you still have that part is still being renewed day by day and that renewal believe it or not is a choice god isn't going to be like poof it disappeared you never did any of that to him you didn't he'll still use that experience for you to help another but he doesn't hold that against you at all. When he looks at you, he doesn't see that. But to you, you are the one that has to renew your mind. Turn from that place because it's a part of you because you have been through it. 
And so you having to deal with it in your heart, you having to deal with it in your mind, you having to deal with it in your emotions is a part of you. And as I, some things are, you know, carried down from generation to generation to generation. <laughs> and so that, that's something that you're carrying as well. And so to break that, you have to choose to renew yourself, renew your mind in God, whether it be daily, whether it be hourly, and make decisions that are in alignment with the you that he sees, not the you that you were or the you that you may still feel that you are, the you that you see that is not accurate in the mirror. And so that has been my struggle. That has been my struggle, really. You know, walking forward out of that place because I do still feel disappointment. I still feel anger. I mean, some of the things that happened that were just not right. You know, my trust in people, <laughs> if I didn't trust people before, it got worse after this. <laughs> and then that situation that happened with the mega, I'm like, I don't trust. Now I'm like, I I've been looking at all the doctors on the side out now. <laughs> like, mm, mm, mm. one of my children I was going to have, she has a plum on the back of one of her earlobes and I was going to have them surgically remove it, which means she would have to be put under. I'm like, we not doing that. <laughs> You're not doing that. We're not putting none of my kids under nothing. Even her getting a G-tube, I'm like, I don't want her to get it because, you know, I am like, is she going to have to stay in the hospital? You know, I think she may have to be in there for a day or two and I don't want her in there. <laughs> so it's like even that, it's like, you know, so things that's happened, experiences that happen or whatever, you know, can have a lasting effect, even especially rather if it is uh like a repeat in some way or form of things that have happened to you repeatedly in your life and you have to make the decision as you're walking forward to not let that chain you try to chain you back up have you ever put a chain around something but you didn't lock it and the thing thinks that it's chained like you know it may be like a dog normally is uh, chained up and you release the chain and it, and it, you know, barking at, you know, somebody walking by the fence and it only goes so far because it's so used to being chained, but the chain isn't even on it anymore. I saw a video on TikTok or Reels or whatever. I think it was a Reel from on Facebook. Or either that it was on a Reel on YouTube, one of them. And a woman was telling her dog to come. And the gate was closed, but the gate didn't have a panel on the other side of it. <laughs> so she was telling the dog to come. Slowly. She was telling the dog to come. And the dog was like barking, you know, whining because he was like, whoa, hey. Because <laughs> he was like, oh my God. I can't get out because all he's seeing is the gate is locked but he's not looking to the side to realize there's no panel on the other side there's a whole wide open space on it just right there if you just look to the side and go around and he thought he couldn't get out that's what it feels like when we when we do that 
when things happen to us and and the illusion the enemy puts that illusion of you being locked in the illusion of you being rechained and sometimes we even do it it ain't even the enemy we do it to ourselves and we have to remind ourselves and look around and be like no i'm not there anymore i'm not there anymore i can be more careful i can you know be more prayerful I can, you know, make sure that, you know, I'm walking in wisdom and I'm being eyes open, but I'm not there anymore. And so that's what I had to do when this situation happened. It's like, I am not there anymore. And it wasn't even me reminding, if me, it was me reminding myself like, Accra, there's you, your hands are not tied here. And because she's your child legally and everything nobody else's so your hands are not tied that's when I went to Google and I said okay what rights do I have because I knew that the responsibility of her is only me nobody else not the county not the state nobody else and this is my child and so what rights do I have as her mother and so that's when I went there and then I had to remind them <laughs> I ain't there no more honey I'm free from that so what y'all could have pulled before and I would have had to shut my mouth because the, their choice would not have been mine they wouldn't have paid attention to what it is that I said that we not that person no more okay we not that person no more <laughs> So I had to go in there and remind them about that. And it wasn't about doing that because I tried to do it the right way. I told them I wanted her discharge. Please show me how to do the the NG tube because I was familiar with the G tube, but she has an NG tube, which is what goes through the nose down in, you know, down the throat into the stomach, just you know, in case it came out. Like, how do I put it back in? And then they tried to use that. They're like, well, we haven't trained you in it, so we won't feel comfortable with her leaving with it. I think they thought that that was going to make me say, oh, yeah, we gotta, we can't leave then. Nah, I was like, if you don't feel comfortable, then take it out. I'm like, ain't nothing that you're going to say that's going to change my mind. We are done here. And I told them, I have been asking you all since yesterday for training on that NG tube, and y'all did not give it to me so if you feel more comfortable taking it out then take it out and they did and we left and then I got her admitted to another hospital and then I had to here's what I say about the residue because she still needed to be checked to make sure that her hydration levels were good and she needed to have the NG tube in because that's how she would without um without um issue be fed the issue was we didn't know she was aspirating because she had gotten a little bit of pneumonia so i believe the pneumonia happened when she had a throw-up episode and but i don't know if it was safe for her to i didn't feel it was safe for her to be taking anything liquid by mouth um because you know she wasn't herself because she was still I don't know what bug they couldn't even figure out what it is that she had but she was her fevers were you know one minute she had a fever the next minute she didn't you know type of a thing and the fever would spike and I don't know what there was apparently something going on because she wasn't the only one that was dealing with that spiked fevers like one child was even having seizures and stuff and that's another thing it's like I know that you know in her condition with the birth injury that she had you know she 
you know kids like that are at risk for epilepsy at risk for seizures and so I didn't want her fever going too high because you know fevers trigger seizures and so that was a concern of mine as well so I wanted them to get her on the antibiotics because they didn't even give me a script for the antibiotics or anything I'm like I need to get her back on the antibiotics my I talked to the, I asked a pediatrician he wasn't there that day but they were like afraid to do anything and the hospital had called them and they're like you need to take her back there I'm like I'm not taking her back there we're not going back there <laughs> you know so if you don't want to help us then I'll figure out another way so I took her to another hospital but they didn't want to you know get there with that I'm like we just need the um the prescription for the antibiotics that they had her on so we can continue those at home and I need to get the NG tube in and um so and then I need to you know get hooked up with a DME which um so that they can give us the supplies like additional ng tubes etc um so that's what i needed done and you know i we do need to switch pediatricians because he they didn't never want to get involved it's like they're they're like i don't want to get in between you and them uh, okay i'm like yeah okay so i see what what the deal is with y'all we're gonna do what we need to do and then i'm gonna do research to switch them to a doctor that is you know a bit more rogue for lack of a better word not carelessly rogue but that doesn't take things sitting down and be like oh this is the way it is and i i know there's a doctor i've been seeing some parents talking about on one of the groups that i'm in so i'm going to look into that doctor and he actually left his um the facility that he was a part of i think because of the situation like this and i'm like he saw like just the one we need <laughs> just that way of thinking that somebody stands up and say hey wait a minute uh -uh, something wrong here something wrong here while everybody's just doing the same thing whether it works or not there's always somebody in the mix that gonna be like wait that don't even make any sense why are y'all doing things that way that's that somebody gonna be the one to speak up and i think this doctor is that type of person and so i'm gonna look into getting my children switched over so um so yeah I learned you know some things and it wasn't that God was saying okay I could go and do this or that I was like okay Lord this isn't right that's what I was saying I was like Lord this isn't right I'm like I mean it's like I have tried to work with these people they are not paying attention to what I'm saying and it seems like they just ignoring what I'm saying not giving me the training that I am asking and refusing to talk to me so that they have an excuse to keep her in there longer and I'm like, the heck you will. <laughs> the heck you will. Not my child, honey. I want my child home. So, um, so, yep. That's what happened. Even with the second hospital, they wanted to keep her in there a little longer. I said no. I'm like, y'all told me one night. And then y'all wanted her there on the intravenous antibiotics for one additional day. And I gave it to you. It's time for her to go home now. We're going to go home. We're going to continue antibiotics at home. I'm going to continue to give her the Tylenol and the uh, uh, the um, the Motrin to keep her fevers down. I'm going to put, you know, because I'm like, y'all a nurse. You have all these different patients that you have to go into. And she just laying there. And that's another thing. I just saw her laying there in the bed, wasting away. And I'm like, uh-uh, this isn't right, Lord. I go in there. My child's just laying there. 
you know she wasn't even moving one of her arms i'm like this wasn't a child from a from a week ago i'm like she's wasting here and this isn't even this hasn't even been that long and so i'm like no no absolutely not when they presented me with her profile they said that if they do not find a family for her that she would be going to a long-term care facility and I saw so very clearly during that hospital stay that if she had gone to a long-term care facility she would likely not be alive today because it wasn't even seven days and she had already deteriorated her spirit was different she was barely moving and this child always moving and even when we came home and I finally got her home I would put her on the pillow she don't like to be on pillows so she would work her way off the pillow always always work her way off that pillow she would be on the pillow and then I'll look to four o'clock in the morning she's still on the pillow going there in the morning she's still on the pillow so she was like a shell of herself and it was just such a short time you know so when I before I knew about her I knew there was a child that God had something in me for them. And I know them being here would make the difference. To me, kind of, probably like a life or death difference. And I was like, well, Lord, where is where are they? I didn't know if it was a he or a she. I said, where are they? And so they presented me with so many children. Not a lot, actually, at that time. Maybe eh, four. And I was like, is this the one? You know? And when they told me about her and not even sent me the profile or anything about her yet, when the person spoke of her, something in my spirit connected. And I was like, and I kept refreshing my email, refreshing my email, waiting for them to send. Because she's like, well, I'll just send you the information because it's a lot. And I'm like, okay. And I'm, I was there refreshing my email, refreshing my email, waiting for it. And I read it. And, and, and before I even read it, I knew. And so when I read it, I was like, hmm. And then when I saw the injury, the birth injury, and I saw the different things and what they were saying about what her life would be and what she wouldn't be able to do and different things like that, it didn't even faze me. It didn't even faze me. I knew that was the one. That was the one that you were told, telling me about. I knew about this child from, I trace it back to about the time she was conceived, which was would have been um, around December, November, December, because she should have, oh yeah, around December, because she should have been born in September, but she was born a month early, so she was conceived then in December, and that's around the time, because it was around the time that the finalizations the other finalizations happened and i wanted to be done with the system and i was back and forth back and forth wrestling with it because i'm like but i knew there was another child out there i knew it very clearly and my thing was did i i'm like do i care <laughs> not do i care about the child but i want to be out of this i mean this has been a horrible experience and i want to be out of this but i knew very clearly and i was like oh. but then a respite came in the form of the pandemic because everything shut down at that point and so I was able to rest because I'm like Laura I don't know that I can go back in right now I'm so exhausted from these previous years and so see that's why I have to be watching that's why I didn't want to leave the room because <laughs> she be doing that 
who just finished her feed. So we want to keep keep it in the stomach. Swallow it. Keep it in the stomach. I don't know how what size her stomach is, but it gets full quick. Yeah, swallow. Breathe and swallow. So it's like I knew about her from around the point of her conception. And and I was like, I knew there was something that God had for her. Not her at that point in time, but I didn't know. But at who? But I knew that God had something in me for some for a child, something in me for a child that was a matter of their survival. And that was another reason why I wanted her home, because I knew, and I know that God had placed something in my hands for her. So once she's here, in my hands what he has for her will flow not there in the hospital <laughs> so anyway I just wanted to let that out of the inside of me so I had to record in the midst of all the noise we have a new kitten named Nino if you're hearing thumping that's him catching his tail he's a lunatic a lunatic that's all I can say about him he's a little lunatic all over the place look at him trying to bite his own foot <sighs> so that's why I had to come on here because I'm like I've been wanting to record for like a week now and to get a moment to just sit by myself is like doesn't always happen um and so I'm like you know what I'm gonna sit and do it I'm gonna sit and do it now so anyway <laughs> talk to you next time